Hello, everyone, and thank you again for joining us on the podcast. Um, it's getting a bit busy in the podcast world for me at the moment. Today, we are really fortunate to have Jordan with us. Jordan lives in Melbourne, and I'm pretty interested to hear what Jordan has to say about carnivore or nutrient-dense food and the tradie life and how that fits in with his day-to-day -day life, because I know it can be a bit tricky. So, hi, Jordan. Thanks for coming. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, Linda. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Um, so my name's Jordan. I am a tradesman based in Melbourne, uh, more specifically an electrician, and I am currently nearly finished an apprenticeship, so... I'm slowly just becoming an electrician uh, and enjoying it. And I've uh, more recently just found a passion for nutrition um, as the culture, especially in Victoria from what I've seen, but I'm sure it's a worldwide thing. And the culture for tradesmen is just to not eat very healthy food and eat things on the run that are quick and convenient and buying our lunch virtually more often than not and that's what i've seen and it doesn't lead to good health outcomes physically or mentally and i've noticed i've made a decision with my um, diet specifically and it's benefited me in so many ways and i just want to hopefully influence other tradies that it is possible to um, step away from the norm and um, live a better life at the end of the day so yeah that's why i'm here so great. I love that you're below 25, am I guessing? Below 20 or where are we going there? Are you Yeah, at 23 at the moment. 23. So yeah. fantastic that you have been able to pick up on nutrition at such a young age because, you mm. know, I didn't find this way of eating till I was double your age. And um, mm. you've got all that those decades to reap the benefits. So can I ask you what brought you to the way of carnivore eating? So often people will come to, is it carnivore or are you just nutrient-dense? Is there a difference to an inter? Um, so I am like mainly meat-based. I'd say yeah. I am carnivore. I would I would eat fruit when I feel like something sweet, but it's really yeah. rarely at the moment. So pretty yeah. much just steak and eggs would be 99% of my diet. Yeah, and what brought you to making that choice or that change and what kind of a diet did you change from? So I was um, a very high carbohydrate diet, which most people, um, a lot of people I socialise with are, um, and a lot of highly ultra-processed foods, which were made up the most of my diet. Um, and... The reason I sort of looked for a, a change was about six months and I was thinking, oh, we'll go lift weights. And um, I've, I've gone through uh, stages of gym throughout my life. Um, but this time around, I just sort of thought, I just want to learn more about nutrition um, and, and see if this is going to have, if I can really dial that in and find something that works for me, I'm sure I'll have better results and get more what I'm looking for. So, um, and then, yeah, I just, went down a rabbit hole of hours and hours and hours of listening <laughs> and learning and um I re we really are lucky that there's so much so many resources out there and specialists mm. and doctors and that's those sorts of things 
um, talking about these uh, topics um, that don't align with the norm normalities of what we've grown up with. So, and, and yeah, as you said, I'm glad I've discovered um, this sort of lifestyle while I'm young because I do have so many years just to really um, learn and find out what works for me and really perfect it. But right. I'm glad that I've sort of found an interest in nutrition at this age, I think. Um, but it doesn't matter what age you are. I think whenever you do find um, something that works for you or make a change, you'll definitely benefit from it. So, yeah. Um, yeah that's so what, can I ask what benefits you've seen? Like what has changed? Um, multiple benefits. Uh, physically, I'd say energy levels, sleep. Um, mm, important. Yeah, especially at work, I'm finding um, my energy levels are naturally a lot higher um, and my sleep is a lot more easier to fall asleep. So I'll fall asleep as soon as I sort of um, go to bed and then and I, I've found I can function off less sleep and I'm not usually tired when I wake up, which is a massive change I noticed. Mm -hmm. um, and also physically, I'd say... I've lost a lot of um, body fat, I would say, um, as opposed to when I've tried to lose weight in the past. It's been a really slow and difficult burn with a different strategy to nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, and this has been by far the easiest way to access my stored fat. Um, and, yeah, that's that was sort of one of the first initial things I noticed. I lost fat off my face. I lost um, fat around the waist, those sorts of things. I really slimmed down. And, um, yeah, physical, I'd say energy, sleep, and I've lost a lot of weight, oh, body fat as well. Um, and then mental benefits, there's there's plenty of those as well. Um, right. Like especially at work, concentration levels, I find. Good. Important I find, for nutrition, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And. Um, I find that I'm way a lot more on the ball and looking for responsibility and um, always thinking about the next thing. And I'm not worried about lunch or smoker or um, drinking something sugary anymore or getting lunch. Like I'm just sort of worried about work, learning and growing and that's making a difference in my work quality, um, my effort, those sorts of things. And, and, I, and overall I'm enjoying it a lot more as well because mm -hmm. I find that I'm a lot more valuable when I'm in a state of uh, I can concentrate, I'm thinking clearly, um, I'm not lethargic, I'm, I'm energised. So I feel like mm. I'm a lot more valuable as well and I enjoy work a lot more in this state. Mm -mm. That's great because that's the that's the most things that people um, benefit. For me, it's been the concentration and the ability to, I guess, think clearly and concentrate and do my job mm. and get my things done. So mm. you mentioned the word smoko, which I think is a real great Australian term. So back in the day, it used to be when you would go and have a cigarette, that was a smoko. Yeah. Um, that might still be the case, I don't know, but generally I feel like the word smoko means food Yeah. For, for the tradies, people that are out there. So what does, so when smoko time comes along now, you're not, uh, you're eating or you're not or what, what's the difference and what do you see that you would like to see change in what other people are eating at Smoko? Uh, um, so my old Smoko for my whole apprenticeship was virtually 
we would all um, we never my crew never would bring lunch, so we would always um, at lunchtime, which is what we call smoko, we would just go uh -huh. to decide what we're going to eat and would go way to the fast food venue, order, sit down, have lunch, um, and then usually have something sweet to finish it off, like a muffin or a nice coffee or something like that, um, and then head back to work. And then I was usually feeling tired and lethargic um, and craving more food because it, it wasn't really filling us up. Um, so I'd be eating, I'd probably be snacking at work, say, two or three other times throughout the day because I was never actually satiated or full. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, what's, how that's changed for me now is I, my preferred eating window time is usually around um, say, 3 to 4 p.m. when I get home from right. work. Um, right, okay. Well, that's good. A, usually, a, yeah. usually a nice day. Yeah. Because I know... I know um, yeah, so I can usually push through. Um, no, that's all right. Keep going. Sorry, you go. No, no, I was going to say, I know for tradies, you know, the difficult thing that I have witnessed in my own tradie kids, tra tra tradie boys is the actual prepping of the food so it's difficult to keep like in, in WA especially it's difficult mm. to keep things cool and you you don't want to take um salad sandwiches or bread so they end up going to the servos and buy the servo special of the day or the you know I don't know cafe to get all their whatever they get so you're finding then that that's not a problem for you because you don't get hungry in the day. You eat a big breakfast, you eat a real cooked breakfast before you leave. Yes, certainly. Um, well, actually, I don't eat at all till about, um, um, and usually my only meal for the day. And it seems to give me no. Well, we've got just a, well, just just lost you for a bit there. Just to do all the duties to the best of my ability without any fatigue or. Um... So oh, did sorry. I hear you say it's just one meal or... a day or? From uh, between about three and four o'clock in the afternoon. Missing you. Oh, are you back? You're back. I think you're back. There you go. Are you back? I don't know. I hope so. Oh, yeah, you're back. So did you say you only have one meal a day in the afternoon, that you don't have breakfast? No, no, just one meal a day at the moment. Oh, yeah. cool. Great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's a that's a big day because you're you'd be quite energetic up and down ladders, climbing along roofs, yeah. pretty energetic during the day. So yeah. you use a lot of energy, and that one meal a day keeps you satiated yeah. enough. Yeah, it really does, and I don't wake up hungry. I don't get hungry around lunchtime. Um, I usually have like a coffee. I I just usually trust yep. my instincts with. Um, food now and if I feel like a coffee I'll have a bulletproof coffee um, either for smoko or I'll have one in the morning on the way to work mm, yeah um, but yeah I'm usually um, fine through throughout the whole day but if I am hungry at lunch I'm not afraid to 
um, go eat something and quick on the go and just make a calculated decision like uh, meat patties or something like that, yeah. you know. There is options on the go that um, people who eat carnivores can't get. So yeah. there's plenty of options. I just listen to my um, uh, intuition and my hunger signals Good. and, Good. yeah, you, usually it's one meal a day and after the meal I'll go for a walk um, just to help digestion and, yeah, I, I find after the meal I'm actually the happiest I've been like throughout the whole day and it's just yeah. really enjoying and after that I feel great. And then all day I'm sort of looking forward to it as well. But I'm not, yeah, usually I'm not hungry throughout the day. Cool. Well, so you must be saving a fair bit of money then. Oh, ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, it really, really is a lot of money. Yeah, um, you're back. And people say well, carnivore's expensive, meat's too expensive. But um, if you're a tradie, the, the ones I've seen, they can be spending 30 to $40 at their break at work. And that's, yeah. and some are having, servo pies and a dare ice coffee on the way to work and then like after work snacks dinner dessert breakfast like it really is a money saver and you feel so much better for it even if it was more expensive i would not think twice at the end even but i think i think you are in front at the end of the at the end of the day anyway yeah you are because you know as you're eating all that beautiful nutrient-dense food and your body's using it up, you're becoming healthier. So down the track, it saves you mm. time at the doctors, you know, getting X-rays, having GP visits, buying the medication that everyone ends up on at some point in their life if mm. they don't watch what they're doing. So it does save you money and time in the long run as well. Mm, um, so, of course, we know that that food that people are eating from the supermarket isn't part of, well, it actually is part of the food pyramid, which is a problem because we need to flip that food pyramid around, right? Yeah, what do you think about the mm. food pyramid? What do you think about the food pyramid currently? Um, I just think, yeah, it's probably back to front. Um, I don't think, from what I've learned, I don't think humans have ever thrived on it, which is sort of what's being promoted um, as the optimal way to eat. And I don't think humans have ever thrived in that sort of situation. And as you can see, like we're probably the sickest we've ever been and the unhealthiest we've ever been. And I know, and I think even if people try and stick to the food pyramid as such, they're still going to be including things like fast food, takeaway, these things, because the food pyramid will um, trigger people's sugar cravings and these mm -hmm. sorts of things. So mm -hmm. um, for me, eliminating most of the processed sugar and added sugar has just been a lifesaver in regards to um, sticking to a whole foods diet. Yes, it's the sugar that drives that drives the cravings, isn't it, for sure. So it's it's mm. great to know that currently the food or the food guidelines in Australia are under review and I'm really excited to see what becomes of that because I don't know if you've heard of Dr. James Mukey. He's from Adelaide. He's an ophthalmologist and he's a great mm. um, spokesperson for reversing type 2. Dr. Peter Bruckner, he's a Sydney doctor. 
and Dr Liz Fraser. They've put in a submission to Parliament and hopefully the food pyramid will be tossed around a little bit and changed as much as they can um, in the not-too-distant future because it's just heartbreaking. And that, that food pyramid came around before you were even born. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. Before you're even born. That's actually that's actually great news, um, um, and hopefully something comes off it of it because I feel like um, we've, we're just so far gone into believing have cert having certain beliefs that um, most people aren't going to question it anymore or change anymore um, or do their own research. So I think, mm -hmm. um, and everyone, I feel like everyone has to have their why, like why to trigger change and questioning and doubting what what we're being taught mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, good that, it's good that specialists are now um voicing their opinions and have and showing results by different practices which is yeah, great definitely because dr bruckner there is from new south wales and he has diabetes defeat diabetes australia i think and he himself was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes so once a, once a GP or a specialist has been in that, you know, that walk of type 2 diabetes, it's easy to bring them on to the pathway of mm. showing other people what to do. That's fantastic. Mm. Yeah, it is great. And mm. vegan and vegetarian diets, what do you think about those? What do you know? What can you share? Um, I don't know a whole lot. I was hoping um, <laughs> uh, you you could offer a little bit of insight into that. Um, mm -hmm. My interest is more in, um, like, uh, pregnancies and those sorts of things. Interesting, yeah. So I have I have got a um, YouTube video that I was about to flick to you that I'll show you. Yeah. Uh, I'll if, send to um, you. vegan, right. vegetarian diet. So. Sorry, you go. I missed your question. Oh, that's okay. Uh, sorry about that. Um, yeah, it was more into like um, I'm interested in the effects of, say, a, a vegan and vegetarian diet, like how uh, much nutrients someone eating that way would be missing. Um, mm. And then if they can pass that on through like generations or pregnancies, how that affects pregnancies and um, children, those sorts of things. Um, that's sort of what sparked my interest. Um, and, yeah, I'm definitely open to learning as much as possible about that. Um, but, yeah, there's so much to learn. Um, but yeah, yeah really, Sorry. really important because a lot of people become vegetarian and vegan with a really good purpose, like they have an expectation that they're doing their bit to save the planet um, or mm. doing something to help. But the latest science tells us that this isn't the case. Um, in fact, it takes more water and resource to make almond milk than it does to grow a cow. And we all know, mm. well, it's it's written in literature that cows, you know, the meat from a cow gives you way many more benefits nutrient-wise than almond or almond milk. And even in Belgium it's been uh, reported that one woman went to jail because her child was fed a vegetarian or vegan diet and the child passed away. So it's um, yeah. in Belgium now, if you're a vegan or a vegetarian parent, I won't use mother because it's parent, both people are involved, um, mm -hmm. those people have to take their children for rigorous 
they have to supplement them because all vegan and vegetarian diets need supplementation. They have mm. to supplement their children and it has to be done under medical supervision to make sure that those children are eating enough nutrients to grow their brain, you know, to grow their muscles, wow. to grow themselves properly because um, mm. in, in a in a pregnancy that baby is relying on everything the mother eats to sustain it. And if we're mm. looking at brain development, a plant-based diet will not help brain development of a of anyone, let alone a tiny, tiny baby that's trying to grow and come into the world. So mm. it's important to make sure if you are on a vegan and vegetarian diet, you have enough B12. You have to have to and you have to supplement with B12. You can't get that from plants. You just can't mm. get it from plants. Mm. So there has to be yeah. a B12 um supplement. And yeah. yeah, lots of you you just have to really be careful with your diet. And I think most people that are on a vegan and vegetarian diet over a period of time will not be well, will not look well, will not have good muscle tone, because you can't build a muscle from a carrot, right? It's, it's not gonna work. Well, they, need- they used to promote um Popeye with spinach, so it makes they you did. wonder. So Popeye with spinach is the heme iron, which you can't get from plants. You need heme iron from meat. It doesn't, plants do not provide you with heme iron. It has to come from yeah. meat. And yeah. the true carnivores or the true meat eaters will tell you that it has to be ruminant meat as well, which is cows and sheep because their stomachs, mm. I think their four stomachs, um, actually digest the the grass into protein that our bodies can assimilate to because mm. we recognize that protein our bodies know that protein so they use it and and grow mm. our muscles so yeah it's a bit sad because i understand the climate change and the you know the methane gas and the, the perspectives but there's many many resources out there that are telling us that it's not it just isn't the case you know mm. cows are getting blamed for a lot of um, CO2 emissions where if we look worldwide at, you know, industrial plants, at cars on the road, at the vast populations in um, India and China, about the container ships that cross the world and bring, you know, economic goods that we don't need, that we've become a very economy-based people that need to buy and use. We have to really look at um, how we spend our dollars, what we're encouraging, trade. There's lots of things that are involved in climate change. It isn't just the cows. There's a lot that we have to take in into our yeah. perspective, really. Poor old cows. Poor fa- farmers <laughs> have been farming for so long and all of a sudden yeah. they've been tainted as the evil people of the world because their cows are destroying the um, pastures and, you know, there's too much methane and they're high, high, high production to to get the meat to a a human eating grade or whatever they come up with all these ideas Mm. but cows are just cows they just eat grass and um Mm. i guess there's sustainable ways of feeding them properly with um better food sources and probably managing their water they don't waste it so much but cows add so much to the environment as well Mm. with their manure and their you know their biodynamic use of of the ground and us touching them and it helps our microbiome there's a real symbiotic relationship between cows and people what do you think have you got anything to add yeah no that was really um insightful thanks for that yeah um i, think, yeah. I really yeah i think um 
vegetarians and vegans, like some of the ones that I know are, are usually making the decision because they think it's a, they, some of them say they don't really like the taste of meats and those sorts of things. Um, but then, yeah, like I think now it's people are starting to realize um, that you do need animal proteins um, to thrive. Mm-mm. And there's yeah. no real substitute because it's the most bio- nutrient dense bioavailable food on the planet. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we should probably put our time into raising cows regeneratively um, yes. in a safe environment because one cow could feed one family for months. So yes. it could be um, if we fine tune that um, industry, um, I think people will be a lot more comfortable with. Because I'm sure um, a lot of vegan and vegetarian food, like fruits and vegetables, nuts, all these things are killing lots of insects and animals, like in the process of their production anyway, and yes. um, flying them all over the world, you know, causing emissions. So it's like, I think we yes. should really just focus on the um, what's logical, what's going to keep humans thriving um, from mm-hmm. generation to generation, and what's got us here thus far. Mm-hmm. And let's fine-tune the practices into making the most of um, the beautiful meat that we have available. Um, and, yeah, I hope that we do um, put more time and effort into it and hopefully come around or at least give it a go. Mm-mm. Because meat, I mean, meat gives us vitamin D, vitamin B12, K2, um, mm. Uh, this is there's a vitamin called oh, vitamin A, omega, uh, mm. omega threes, e, EPs, DHA, creatine, creatine, lots of them. But the most important mm. one is leucine, which is amino acid that grows your muscles. You know, we need yeah. to make sure that we've got our muscles growing because yeah. as you age, if you don't keep your muscle composition on your body, you become frail. You end up in a nursing home if you break your hip. If you break mm. your hip in the later stages of life, your your life expectancy is only two years from breaking a hip. You wow. know, and so muscle wastage is a really um, important factor to consider as you're aging. You need to make sure you hold mm. on to your muscle. So, so important. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And at yeah. the start when I went low carb, I think I lost um, I lost the puffiness in my muscles. Yes. I think it, oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. All the probably all the um, um, glucose was being emptied out of my system and all that, yeah. all that water weight, all that sort of thing. Um, so I lost a bit of the puffiness, but I think now I'm slowly starting to build up that lean muscle mass, and I feel so much lighter and healthier and physically strong, um, and I feel like I look healthier as well. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, so I hope you're able to. How does your um, family and your friends feel about your change? Because often the social aspect of changing to a more nutrient-dense diet is really tricky to navigate. Do you find it difficult? Mm, um, I think at the start I found it difficult. Yeah. Um, reason being um, it's obviously most of my social group friends, family hadn't heard of the carnivore diet essentially um, yeah. and they're all eating the standard diet which I've grown up with so um, 
it is a big, it is easy for people to take people off guard and say, you can't just eat meat because most of the people that heard this from me would um, instantly talk about cholesterol, heart disease, you'll be dead in a few years. Even if you look great and feel great, you'll be dead in a few years. So that was the initial response. Um, But I think as I've learned more, I've been able to have these uh, discussions with them um, and open discussions and not saying one way is right, one way is wrong, just questioning the normalities and what we know because I don't think, obviously, if you go to a supermarket, say 75% of the foods there are ultra-processed foods. So that's that's essentially the normal to be eat, consuming these in great amounts for most people. So yeah. um, I think just raising awareness on these things and just... Um, letting people know that a a lot of diseases, conditions and health conditions that you have can be fixed by nutrition. And Mm. that's what I've just been trying to do. I'm not, I'm not really focusing on the meat aspect. I'm more focusing on the things that you include could be contributing to skin conditions, sleep, tiredness, energy levels, sugar cravings, weight gain, all these things. Um, and if people have issues like uh, joint pain or anything like that. Mm. And um, that, that will work. Um, I'm just trying to shed light on some of the things that they are consuming in um, accounts and the mm. happiest I've ever been with eating just style. So, um, yeah. The interesting thing, I've got a book that I was reading that's been I read it about four years ago. Where have I yep. put that book? Um oh, I was gonna show you a picture of it, but I think I can't find where I put it. It's called okay. well, what? Oh well, here it no, it's not here. It's called Pottinger's Cats. And okay. it's written by it was written by a guy that was part of the Western A Price. I yep. think he had something to do with Western A Price. Oh, it's a shame. That book. Anyhow, the book is called Pottinger's Cats and it's a study of, of three generations of cats. Um, yep. And they use cats because cats have a shorter lifespan than humans so they can mm. measure and, and look at, even though they're cats and we're people, there's some correlations that are the same. Um, yeah. They fed one generation, three generations of cats, raw cat food, like because they're carnivores, they fed them raw cat food, meat. Yep. Caddy kind of raw meaty food. The other generation, yeah. another tree of them, or they fed them with um, processed uh, processed foods, so like kibble or mm-hmm. whatever they feed their cats. It was processed food. Yeah. By the third generation of the processed food, the offspring had smaller pelvises, smaller jaws. The women could not birth their children, so the ce- or the cesarean rate was higher. Or well, not the women, the mm. female cats couldn't birth their children. Yeah. So the C-section yeah, yeah. rate for those cats was higher. The infertility rate yeah. was higher as well. So really for someone yeah. at your age group to be addressing the nutrient-dense food is amazing because you're shedding the mm. light on people in your generation that might well fall into those categories of needing, you know, C-section births or fertility problems or braces on their teeth. Mm. It's um. Yeah. It's it's quite phenomenal to think that food can have such a 
are, I guess, fast um, improvement when you're eating the good food, your body composition is great. It's fantastic. It improves tenfold, whereas you're eating an un, if you're eating processed foods and not a natural human diet um, or the optimal human diet, you, you end up with problems, having babies, mm. growing your muscles, you mm. know, chronic diseases develop. So it's really important that 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 book's a good resource. I read it yeah, ages great. ago. Awesome. It's a really good resource. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. So I think you've got to get on to doing some things, haven't you? You've got to be out and about. Yes, I do. You do? <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for your yeah. chat. Um, thank hope you. For sharing. I'm hoping that some younger people and some older ones will learn a lot from you and your um, experience so far in the food yeah. world. Thanks, Linda. I really appreciate the chat and your insight and knowledge. It was really uh, beneficial for me. So, Great. Thanks very much for that.